Welcome to the Glojo Podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Kalal, and every week I'll be sharing thought-provoking, soul-soothing, and inspiring conversations from personal stories to insider tips and tricks. At the Glojo, you can always find what you need when you need it most. This is permission. Permission to be you, permission to be messy, permission to feel all the feels. So what do you say? Let's do this together. I'll see you in the Glojo. There's no losing. You either win or you learn. Sometimes you have to create opportunities for yourself, even when nobody's watching or listening. When we step up and shine and are honest, people are hungry for what we have to offer. Making things easier doesn't mean not doing anything. It's effortless not effort, none. No one is going to give you permission to be successful. Those are just a few of the zinger dinger quotes from this week's episode of the Glojo podcast. One of my favorite things about doing this podcast, I mean, there are so many things that I love about doing this, but one of my favorite things is that I get the opportunity to learn from all of these incredible people as well. You know, you're listening over there and I'm listening over here. And I recorded this episode with our special guest quite a while ago, but I was just going through and editing it today. And I used to outsource the editing and then I decided it was something that I want to do. And to begin with, I was also like, all right, I'm going to record and then edit and just get it all done right away. But there's something that I really enjoy about space between recording and editing. It allows me to move from a participant in the conversation to a true listener or a viewer. And I find that when I get to move into the listener point of view or the listener perspective, I see things through a new lens again. And this was one of those episodes that I definitely edited and listened to at the right time. It has been tough lately. It has been difficult. I've had so many like extreme allergy challenges. And then I, my whole life kind of it flipped upside down, but actually in a really great way, but still just dealing with a lot. And it kind of felt like I fell off the wagon and maybe I did. And here I am getting myself back on again. And so I share that because, you know, I, I think that a lot of what I struggle with and have struggled with in my life is perfectionism and needing everything to be perfect. And and be polished and be a certain way in order to feel successful or in in order to feel like I'm good enough or doing enough or serving enough or whatever that enough is. And this time around, I'm, I'm being more gentle on myself and I've been learning to be gentle on myself throughout the whole podcasting experience. So thank you for being here with me on my journey. And I will say that my conversation today with the fabulous Denise Duffield Thomas really gave me a different perspective about so many things. And like I said, I edited it and listened, re-listened to it at the exact right time. And I hope that for everyone listening, this episode is coming at the right time in your life. I would say this episode is especially important and especially relevant for you if you have a business, if you are starting a business, if you're new on your journey, 
if you are someone who has so many ideas and things that you want to do and accomplish, if you're creative, even if you don't have a business, but you just have so many different ideas and things pulling at you in life, or if you have a career, but you have a side hustle, or you're wanting to start a side hustle, definitely listen to it. It is truly a must listen. So many golden nuggets, or shall I say glowing nuggets and takeaways. Denise has a new book that came out late last year in 2022, and it's called Chill and Prosper. It is about the chillpreneur lifestyle and You know, it's about moving away from the hustle culture. And I don't know about you, but I'm definitely, uh, what do I want to say? I don't want to say a victim, but I've been sucked into the hustle culture. And Denise's perspective is just so refreshing. It's not about sitting back and doing nothing. That's not what it's about. It's about finding ease and flow and learning how to harness what makes us unique and working in a way that actually works for us instead of trying to work in a way that we've been told to work. And it's like floating downstream instead of constantly trying to swim upstream. So a little bit more about Denise. Denise Duffield Thomas is the money mentor for the new wave of online entrepreneurs who want to make money and change the world. She helps entrepreneurs like you and me charge premium prices, release the fear of money, and create first-class lives. Her books, Lucky Bitch, Get Rich Lucky Bitch, and her newest Chill and Prosper give a fresh and funny roadmap to living a life of abundance without burnout. And I want to say that again, abundance without burnout. I truly believe this is what we all deserve. Her money bootcamp has helped over 8,500 students from all around the world. She is a self-proclaimed lazy introvert, a Hay House author, and an unbusy mother of three. She also owns a rose farm and lives by the beach in sunny Australia. Honestly, this woman kind of does it all. And she does it all with ease and grace. And she has a lot of fun along the way. And I am so excited to share some of her magic, some of her insight, and some of her tried and true philosophies and perspectives with you. So without further ado, let's get this interview rolling. I cannot wait to hear what you think. Hello, Denise, and welcome to the Glojo podcast. It is so wonderful to have you here today. Well, thanks for having me. It's so cool to connect with you again. We were, you know, before we hit record, we were trying to figure out where did we meet? But it feels like the last 10 years has been a bit of a blur for all of us. Yeah, that's for sure. That's an understatement. And sometimes I'm like, wow, so much has happened in 10 years. And then other times it seems like it's all just gone, gone by in the blink of an eye. I'm like, wow, how, how has it been 10 years? Regardless, I'm so happy that we have reconnected and that I have the opportunity to interview you today. Denise had a really fun, sassy brand back in the day when I first met her, and it was called Lucky Bitch, the luckybitch.com. And she actually is two, she now has three books, but her first book was Lucky Bitch, and the second one was Get Rich, Lucky Bitch. And now you have your new book out called Chill and Prosper, and I am absolutely loving it. I'm listening to it, I'm actually doing exercises, and I know that it's been helping me really see some blind spots that I know have been there, and I've just kind of pushed aside and kept like trucking along, but I'm ready to make some changes for everyone listening. We like Denise is amazing. She's a badass. But before we start talking about what we're going to talk about today, which is really like making business more chill and how to make more money with ease. I'd even like to say like just creating and living, living with ease, living 
because I think how we are in business is how we are in life and vice versa. We're also going to talk about ADHD and Denise has recently been diagnosed with ADHD. And so she's going to share a little bit about her journey. I know I'm really interested in learning about this before we dive in. I know that was a mouthful. I just talked a lot. Do you want to share anything about yourself and your journey? Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, I think, um, this year has actually been a really busy year for me, really interestingly. And it was funny, you know, releasing a book called Chill and Prosper and then just being like, wow, this is actually one of the busiest times I've ever had. And But that's not to say that it's not true because sometimes people think making business easier means that you just don't do anything. And that's not true at all. You can still always make things easier. You know, and I say in the book too, it's it's effortless, not effort none, because we know that you cannot build a business, you can't do anything, you can't create a podcast without doing some work. But my philosophy isn't, oh, cool, you can just go and chill in a hammock all day. It's how do we find the path of least resistance for you? And sometimes that means you'll get out of balance a little bit, which I I honestly have a little bit this year but you can always find your way back there. The other thing to say too is I just, I'm so excited about this time that we're in. You know, you and I have been in business for quite a while and we've seen times like this where people say marketing's dead or launches are dead or mm-hmm. podcasts are dead or content is dead, whatever. And, you know, I'm I'm still super excited about business and um, the opportunities that we have to create really beautiful lives for ourselves, but also other people and really spread that abundance around. Yeah, I agree. I think that obviously there's been so much, so many shifts and changes in the last few years. And with that, there comes kind of times of contraction, but there's also this beautiful expansion that happens sometimes not at the exact same time, but you know, it starts to, it starts to open up after. And I really feel like we're in a time of expansion and yes, it's scary. And yes, there's different things going on, but we can choose what to focus on um, and choose to see the opportunities. And one of the things that I love that you said, it's about finding the ease and going with flow. And I'm just reminded of like, being in a river and why not go downstream instead of trying to swim upstream? Because there are so many ways that I truly think we make life and business so much more difficult for ourselves and way more difficult than it needs to be. Um, At the Glojo, one of the things I talk about is really helping people become more self-aware and making aligned decisions. And it sounds like your philosophy of finding more ease is really aligned with that. It's exactly that because, you know, when you start in business, you don't know what to do. You don't know all of the available options. Usually you do a course, find a mentor really early on, and you kind of just go, okay, I'll do what they tell me to do. And there are so many ways to do every type of business. And I actually think the last couple of years has even shown us even more opportunities. You know, people who never thought they could take their business online, people thought that they could never leverage their business into something else. You can. So it's finding which one is going to work for you. But I find that the mindset piece around that is the hardest because we're not used to having choice around things like that. Um, Or we feel guilty about making it easy or we think it's too obvious. And so we discount those things. But I've just um, finished up a six-week business program with my um, audience. And one of those things is looking at our business models. You know, it doesn't work for everybody to have 
long-term things. Some people need short-term, you know, quick and dirty options for their Mm -hmm. clients and vice versa. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the pain comes from, as you said, not having the awareness that we're allowed to have something different. So I'm curious, do you know what your human design is? Yes, I'm a manifester. Me too. I had a feeling when I was listening to your book, I'm like, I swear she's a fellow manifester. I've learned more about human design and I've talked about it on the podcast and I've had an expert on and I plan on having another expert on because I'm just so fascinated with it. But it's similar to the archetypes that you teach, I'm assuming, or there's some similarities there. And again, it's really about understanding ourselves. And I know for manifestors, we're great at starting things. Like I'm a quick start. I like to start things. And I do like the shorter chunks of things. I don't think I could ever offer anything that's a year long. I would get bored and I would just check out and I would not deliver good results. (laughs) Well, I'm a quick start too. I'm a nine quick start. Me too. In Colby. (laughs) Yes. And that can get us into trouble, right? Because Mm -hmm. my husband, he's a projector and he's um, he's like a six quick start or something like that, right? And I remember when we first started working together, he would be like, oh, my God, what are you talking about on today's webinar? What are you talking about on that interview? Like he would get really stressed. And so then I started second guessing that ability I have just to download information. I don't need to prepare a lot. But I was starting to like feel like I'd lost my fairy dust a little bit because he was yeah. like, how are you flying? And I was like, shit, I don't know. <laughs> and um, it took us a while to realize, you know, we had to do a lot of personality tests to even work right. together. Of I had to say, hey, like, I know you wouldn't do it like this, but right. that's my magic. And I, but then I had to appreciate that he needed a little bit more invitation. You know, he needed a little bit more time and preparation for him to feel confident but we couldn't project to each other our own fears and insecurities and that was a really that was a really hard lesson to learn yeah no kidding just a quick side note like let's just talk about what is it like to work with your partner it's um half amazing and half horrible yeah yeah and it really is I'm always super honest about that I love the fact that everything we do in the business is for our family I love that we have that flexibility because when Mark was in a previous career, he always put 150% into his career and it would always create so much stress for him personally. Mm-hmm. And now like he he did the school run this morning. He picks the kids up from school every day and everything there, you know, is for our family. The flip side of that is, you know, at 10 o'clock at night, which happened this week, I was like, that email that's supposed to go out, did you check the link? You know, and we're we're in bed, like he was asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the hard part of it. And just personality clashes, you know, we both um, even though I'm a manifester, he's a projector, we're both rulers in sacred mm-hmm. money archetypes. And so we sometimes have clashes about like who's the boss. Um, but you know, it yeah, it's it's mixed blessings really, but it it's it, we've been able to create a lot of amazing things. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you for being honest and sharing. And so I know today we are going to talk about growing your business, being chill, what it means to be a chillpreneur. I'm really hot on, like, I just love that you've written a book about this. And I think that it's so important and it's just like more people need to know about it because I feel like especially this generation and this group of us, we were brought up in hustle culture And it was like very much women, like you can do anything that men can do. And like, I'm so grateful that I was raised to have this motivation and to 
be inspired to do what, you know, whatever I want. But then with it comes this like nonstop hustle. I know one of my limiting beliefs for sure is like, I have to work a lot and really hard to make money. And it's like, no, screw it. I don't want to have that limiting belief anymore. And so why don't we start talking about what it means to be a chillpreneur and we can let the conversation unravel. And then I still do want to come back to the ADHD stuff though, but let's, let's flow with the conversation. Well, okay. So when you were saying that generation thing, right, Mm -hmm. of um, what did we grow up seeing about work? And I think this is a really key part of it, okay, because I think we grew up seeing that work and reward has a very linear relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you you work, you get paid. You bill lots of hours, you get paid. You go get a degree and get a good job and you get paid. You hustle and you get paid. The messages about being an entrepreneur were very linear as well, right? You make a widget, you sell a widget. And what happened when, I mean, it, I really started using the internet really in my early 20s, really. That's when, you know, I knew it was kind of around at the end of high school, but suddenly that that relationship breaks and it's like ordinary people like you and I could create something with our imagination and, and sell it. You know, in my first ebook I sold in 2003 and I had to get like an ebook broker to sell it because there was wow. no mechanism to like sell a PDF because PDFs were giant back then too. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to literally like have this extra company who essentially were, you know, acted as a publisher to sell this ebook. And, um, but, it suddenly broke that relationship. And I think even we, I still don't think we've caught up from that because there's something weird about going, hang on, I can get paid for something that I've created. I can get paid again and again. I can get paid for talking to people, you know, I can just get paid for (laughs) talking to people for playing and having an imagination. And it really just breaks our brains a little bit to think, but where's the effort like that I'm getting the reward from? Um, and the further away you get from that, the, the guiltier you might feel. And so I talk about this a lot where I say my first um, audio ebook that I sold, I, f- I felt like I had to like call up and read it to them over the phone. Interesting. Because I was like, but why are you giving me money? I already created it. Yeah. And so I just think that, that we have to have compassion for ourselves to go, well, we're just, it's, it feels like a quantum kind of thing and the math doesn't math. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. It is. It's interesting to think about. I think for me, maybe there's more guilt there than I, than I realized, but I don't really think there's a lot of guilt, but I, I think I grew up with parents who were, you know, my father owned a business and he worked hard and it was always, it's like you work hard and you put in the time and you do all of these things and you sacrifice certain things so that then later on you get this reward. And I know, quite even my personal journey in university, I started working for this big corporate company and I hustled and I experienced success and I, you know, got the accolades and was moving up the ladder. And I was like, wait a minute, this sucks. Like, this is so not for me. And I figured that out pretty quickly. But then the belief that you have to work hard to be successful has still been there. And I have burnt myself out time and time and time again. I've had so many different physical issues and it's like, I'm getting better, 
But now I find that I'm almost like I have the ideas because it's like, you know, those hits and ideas come in. And then it's like, I'm almost nervous because I'm like, okay, I have the awareness and I don't want to burn myself out. I don't want to do it the way I've done it, but I still am motivated and I am inspired and I want to create. So what advice do you have for people around finding the ease and where do like, where do we start with this? Yeah, well, I think it's really key to, to look back at times where we have burnt out. Because I actually see this a lot with ex-corporate people. They get to a point where their salary is getting to their old corporate salary and they're not even aware of this, that it's so unconscious. They start to sabotage their business a little bit because there's something energetic about that income level where they go, oh, too hot. Interesting. Yes. And they start to go, oh, oh no, I can't do it. And actually what I find is um, looking at someone's income when they start to sabotage can really like um, illuminate some interesting things. So one is the corporate example. Another one though, is when someone um, gets to the same income level as someone in their life. And what do you make that mean? Right. And it could be someone who's burning themselves out for that income or who's someone who you perceive as working really hard. So like my mom, she worked in a nursing home. When I started to realize that I could get paid for a speech for her like weekly wage, I felt incredibly guilty about that. Like it felt unethical. Mm -hmm. It felt inappropriate. When I got to where my uncle's salary was, so my uncle's like the richest person in the family, super generous, loved, you know, treating people, all that kind of stuff. So when I started making more money than him, I felt incredibly guilty that I was energetically shifting the roles in our family. Interesting. Other people might energetically hold themselves under a a tax threshold or a, you know, when you get to a certain point, you have to start charging tax or things like that. In Australia, it's called GST. In the UK, it's called VAT. Yeah. Same with Canada, GS, GST here. <laughs> GST, right, exactly. So I see people, they're not even aware of it, but there, there's something there about I'm crossing a threshold and this feels really scary and I'm not ready or I'll get into trouble somehow. Um, and sometimes we're not even aware of those of those things. Or I remember I got really stuck at $250,000 and I had to really explore that. And what I realized is I was thinking, I'm going to have to work four times harder to get to a million because I still had that linear relationship. And for me, again, the math wasn't mathing. I was thinking, you know, I worked pretty hard to get to this 250,000 level. And so I was like, if I'm already working 40 hours a week, I'm going to have to work like four times that. And I was just like, there literally isn't enough hours in the day for me to do that because I couldn't conceive of how could I leverage my time without leveraging my actual physical output. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, And so I think it's really important for us to look at where we're stuck and see what's symbolic about this. What What are my stories about this? How is this impacting and shifting the energy of relationships? And what's this challenging in myself about my perception of work and effort and reward? 
Yeah, I love that. That makes it it makes so much sense. And thank you for sharing your personal examples with family. Even you're right, like the tax, like I think there's all of these different things that can that are actually there and they can be invisible and they're holding us back. I know for me, I was just thinking about like some of the different things that have happened throughout the years when I've been at different thresholds. And so that I'm going to explore it some more and see like, huh, what else is is there to look at? There's always something to uncover. <laughs> there really is. And I am always. a curious, I love getting curious and exploring. And I feel like it's almost like life is like a video game where always, there's always this next level or you're unlocking something and getting rewards always. and continuing to learn and adventure. I think a, a really key question to ask oneself is thinking about your next goal. What do I think I have to give up to get to that next goal? Because it, it always illuminates something. For some people, they think I'm going to have to give up time, energy, health, um, integrity, time with my kids or like being a good mom or a good friend. Um, uh, yeah, like love. Some people really, it's and it's also energetic, right? If we were to go, of course, I don't feel like I have to give up love. But there's something there about women used to have to choose, right? It was true. career or family. And now we don't have to choose. Yes, it's a still a juggle, let's face it. But we really think the scales go like this. Or if I win, who else has to lose? Because we think it's a zero-sum game. And we, we grew up with that, right? One of the examples I always talk about is that movie Highlander that was like in the 80s. And it was their tagline was, there can be only one. And it was not like, oh, let's just share power. Like It's like, no, 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 I have to kill you and take your power. And really that's the patriarchal world that we grew up in, right, is that there's one slot, there's one opportunity, there's one winner, everyone else has to go home with nothing. And so, of course, we don't want other people to lose, <laughs> you know. We want everybody to thrive, but we we just haven't seen examples of that. And another layer, because I know you're curious like me, yeah. I started interviewing groups in my community of people that have commonalities, right? And so I started to do it via prof profession because I thought, oh, this is really interesting. Let's dive into this and see what money blocks collect collectively do dance teachers have, um, massage therapists. You know, I, I even spoke to the construction industry about this. What are the collective blocks of the construction industry? And then I started looking at um, geographical locations too, right? So I interviewed um, a group of British people and I was like, let's just, let's just explore that. And the way that I did it, I went, let's look at the values that are on like, you know, the British council's website or whatever, right? Or the government's website. What are the values of a British person? And then what are the unofficial values? And I would love, I think there's some parallels with Canada here for sure. But one of the values that people were talking about is British people love to queue up. They love mm. to take their turn and wait politely. So we were like, how is this showing up in your business? Where do you feel like you have to wait politely for your turn? And so then they're like, well, I don't feel like I can brag about my accomplishments or, you know, I can't, I can't cheat by doing Facebook ads. I have to like only do sweat equity things or I can't surpass my mentor in income because she started before me or my older brother deserves success before I do because I have to wait my turn. So there was just like 
so many fascinating things when you dive into stuff like that. And I mean, like one of your unofficial Canadian values is politeness, right? Are you allowed to talk about money? Is it polite to talk about money or chase invoices, for example? Yeah, that's so interesting. I love that you did that and how like just going to the website and seeing like, oh, they love to queue. And then all of those examples you just listed, there's so much programming that goes on throughout our entire life that we are not even aware of and that can actually really come in. And so, okay, you said to ask a question and I forget what the question is. What do I have to give what up? What do I have to give up? Mm. I just wanted to just really quickly yeah. tell an Australian example of this because yeah, I did please. the same with Aussies. So one of our unofficial values is mateship. We're all in this together. So if you think of this visually, British people love to queue and they've got a very hierarchical kind of class system that still permeates their society. Whereas for Australians, it's almost like, no, no, we're linking arms and we're doing this together. Interesting. Yes. And so then it's like, it's the same kind of thing because it's like, well, you can't then speed ahead. Yes, because you have to do it with your mates. And there's something there about like you can't charge your mates. You know, you can't charge your friends. And so for me, I was like, oh, then I can't charge Australians because I was like, they're my mates. And then I was like, well, I can't charge people from New Zealand. They're like cousins. They're like next door. They're like, they're They're just right there. They're brothers and sisters. And then I was like, well, does that mean I can't charge people in the Commonwealth? I was just going to say, I'm like, what about Canada? We're like your long distance cousin. (laughs) Exactly. So it's just fun to like explore those things. And of course, when we talk about what do I have to give up, it could be, well, I have to give up being like part of a community, part of a culture, part of, you know, I mean, that can feel really scary to go against the tribe, go against the collective, whether it's your industry because you want to charge something different from other people or literally you're going against, you know, well, that's un-Australian to yeah. do that. Or, And I mean, we can say this because you're a Canadian, I'm Australian, yeah. but like people would be like, that's so American. Even within that, I spoke to someone who was like in um, like Pittsburgh and she was saying, you know, we've got a real working class feeling here that you can't then be too big for your boots so it's really interesting looking at like the city the town the culture the religion the country the era that you grew up in you know like I grew up watching Bewitched and I Dream of Jeannie after school yes so much fun right they're only (laughs) 20 years old by the time we watched them but even the messages there was you know these women had these magical powers that they could you know, just do the housework with a click of a finger, right? But they they couldn't because the reputation of their husbands and their husbands' corporate careers meant that they had to hide their magic and pretend to be normal. And, you know, you think of like what era did you grow up in and what messages did you get about work or money or worth or magic or what is a woman or what is an entrepreneur, what is a businesswoman, what does success look like in the era that you grew up in? So there's just, there's a lot of layers. Yeah, there really is. One of the things I'm being reminded of something you said in your book that really stood out to me, you said, no one is going to give you permission to be successful. And I think that it's this whole like linking arms and waiting in line and being polite and waiting until it's our turn. You know, maybe it's like being the good girl or whatever it is. What advice do you have for people 
who have been waiting, they've been waiting to start or they're waiting to feel ready because I know that's a whole nother conversation around, you know, feeling ready. And I, I really believe we're never going to be ready. It's just about pulling the trigger and, and starting to take action and learning along the way. But I'd love to hear your perspective on this because, yeah, I think a lot of people wait, but they might not even know what they're waiting for. Well, exactly. Because how often is it someone goes, you should start a podcast and let me do it for you. <laughs> oh gosh, that'd be nice. <laughs> that would be amazing. Or, um, you know, a lot of the times your first speaking gigs, for example, it's not like someone's going, oh, you, I think you would be a great speaker. Come and speak. You know, sometimes you do have to create opportunities for yourself, even when nobody's watching or listening. And so for me, the thing that really helped me was reading Mindy Kaling's book. So Mindy Kaling is you know, she's a writer, writer of The Office, um, The Mindy Kaling Project. And in her book, she was saying that too. She's like, no one's created opportunities for me. I had to write my own characters. Right. And her book is called Why Not Me? Yeah. I'm going to have and to read that because I love her work. I right. love, yeah, I love what she does. She's amazing. It's great. But even just that affirmation of saying, why not me? I've got something to say. And taking the pressure off yourself to have to be the guru, to have to be the, the only one, and to be a contributor to a conversation takes the pressure off so much. Because I remember when I was starting out and I, I, was, I really had a strong calling to talk about money, like really felt it as a calling. But I was like, but I'm not Susie Orman. You know, only financial advisors, only accountants, they're the only ones who are allowed to talk about money. Instead of realizing to say, like, I'm not a financial advisor, I'm not an accountant, yet I have something to say that could be useful to people. I was thinking, but I'm not qualified to do it. And I just started to just go, you know what, I'm just, I'm really passionate about this conversation, so I'm happy to contribute to it without feeling like I need to be the guru of the gurus. So then if people would say, well, you're not Susie Yaman, I'd go, yeah, I know. <laughs> yes, It's like, and I'm not trying to be. <laughs> I'm no, me. And I love, I love Susie. But it's just something there about going, I think I could just contribute my voice in my own way. And then it gives you permission to be where you're at and just mm -hmm. to go, you know, I this is what I, like Oprah says, what I know for sure. And it could be that you go, you know what I, I've, I've, I, I know how to get your first client. I know how to get your first podcast episode off. Instead of thinking, oh God, I need to know the whole life cycle of my theoretical clients and right. every problem that they'll ever have. Because that's when you get imposter syndrome, right? When yeah. you, you know, if people go, but I haven't made a million dollars, how can I even help people? And it's like, well, you might have a puzzle piece that they don't have. Mm -hmm. You know, I hire people all the time because there's missing puzzle pieces. I never go, oh, no, you have to earn more money than me before I even, you know, take advice or listen to you like this, like a cue, you know, like a hierarchical yeah. thing. Um, we all have something to offer somebody else. And it, just asking yourself like Mindy did, why not me? Yeah, I love, I yeah, like she literally wrote herself in like wrote scripts and created things for herself. That's powerful. And just even the name of the book, Why Not Me? And everything you were saying, I love how you said you don't need to be a guru, contribute to the conversation. And that was something that I had marked in the book as well, because it takes the pressure off. 
And I know I'm a recovering perfectionist for sure. And I'll still every now and then I'll start to go into like crazy perfectionism mode and I'll be so hard on myself. And it's like, but wait, why am I doing this? What's actually underneath that? And I think that when we can see ourselves as contributors versus experts, it's a lot easier to share our thoughts and to share our perspective. And we're always able to help someone no matter, no matter what. I feel like we, we, we learn from one another at different times and different phases. And so for everyone listening, if you're, you know, a creative entrepreneur and you have something inside of you and you know that you have a message to share, just start contributing to the conversation and try that on for size. It will feel really good. It really yeah. will because, um, you know, I just I hear it just from so many people. They just don't think that they're ready and there'll, there'll never be a time of feeling ready. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can say this hand on heart. I still have imposter syndrome all the time. Mm-hmm. I still don't think what I've done is good enough. I'm still a perfectionist all the time mm-hmm. too, but yet I still move forward anyway and there's something there too I think about sharing your struggles mm-hmm. can be so um like reassuring for other people but it's also reassuring for yourself it's like the imp- the opposite of imposter syndrome right because you're like I'm not pretending to be anything I'm not right. like here's actually what happened <laughs> um and I love doing things like I share my tax returns I share my income because I just think I'm just telling the truth you know but I started doing that at the start of my business too where I was just like here's what's true for me I'm not speaking for everybody. I'm just sharing what's true for me. And that can help a lot if you just like that it's true. So So a couple things come to mind. In your book, you say you're an introvert. I'm definitely an ambivert. And on the tests, I'm 51% extrovert, 49% introvert. Nobody ever believes me because I am really (laughs) social, but I need that much time alone to recharge. So with being an introvert, having the perfectionism, having the imposter syndrome that kicks in, you still just move forward. You create, you share, And it seems like you have a ton of fun along the way. And so what advice do you have for people for just saying like, now I'm reminded of Richard Branson's book, like, screw it, let's do it. And just like (laughs) diving in and going for it, because it it does seem like you've taken a pretty chill, like to use your term, um, a chill approach to being like, all right, I'm just going to keep going or I'm going to give this a go. Well, I actually do have a, a very specific practical thing around this is that I batch a lot of my work Mm. because if you only do business when you feel like it, then that's when you fall off the radar sometimes, right? Because you just, you just don't feel like it and then everything kind of comes in. And so I batch my podcast episodes. I batch a lot of my social media. I batch a lot of my you know, even reels and things like that sometimes too. And so they're scheduled out. So when I don't feel like it, it all doesn't just fall to shit, right? And then by the time, like, then I feel like it again. And then I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't just burn my whole business to the ground when I was feeling bad about it. And I kind of do that whole thing. Um, There's something that, um, like, I I don't drink alcohol anymore, um, but there was something there when I was decided to quit alcohol where they say you can have a drink tomorrow, just don't have one today. And so I kind of say the same thing with my business. I can go, you can burn it all down tomorrow. You can quit tomorrow. Just just don't do it today. 
And <laughs> there's just something there, I think, about taking a pause and, um, you know, and not thinking, okay, just because I had a bad day or just because I didn't like this one thing doesn't mean that's forever. So I think the batching stuff really gives me breathing space to not destroy everything when I'm just in a real introvert mood or if I'm in a real like, you know, I still get anxiety and stuff too, mm-hmm. um, that that my business isn't at the whims of my personality in a ah, way. yeah. Yes. And so well I always said. say to people, consistency is really important in business, but you don't have to be consistent, yeah. just your business does. And I think there was something really powerful that happened to me a couple of years ago where um, I separated me from the business as energetically mm-hmm. because then I was like, I didn't take things as personally because if people were like, well, I don't like this, I go, yeah, but that's not me as a person, Denise, that is like my business that is here to serve you for a particular thing. And I think that really started to help with things like boundaries and stuff too, right? Because I was just like, these two things are separate. And so my business can be consistent. My business can show up every day. My business can kind of almost be in this beautiful chillpreneur mood all the time, but that's not, I don't have to feel the pressure to be perfect or, you know, to love my business every second of the day because we don't, right? We just don't. But what I see, though, is people, when things are so intertwined, they make decisions based on maybe where they're at in the cycle. You know, it might be they're having PMS and they just think everything's shit. I hate everything. I'm going to quit everything. And you you can't run your business like that all the time. So, yeah, separating my business energetically, batching things, that really helped. And it, it just gave me space to be me as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I love that. Um, Something else that was coming to mind as you were talking in your book, you said, there's no losing. You either win or you learn. I'd love to talk about that because I think it's such a powerful perspective. And I think that I I was having a recent conversation with a friend and there was just so much, um, so much fear to just pull the trigger and go because of this, like, well, what if I fail? Like, but what if you don't? And like, what if failing that isn't actually failing? What if it is a gift in and of itself? So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I'm the person, um, you can't come to me as a friend if you just want to bitch and moan or vent because, because immediately I start to go, this is going to be such a great chapter for your book. Yeah. Like, oh my God, you can write the most amazing blog post about this. Oh my God, this is going to be so amazing. Like you can speak about this on stage. Sometimes people need to be in it a little bit. Yeah. Because I really do see those opportunities. I just think, oh my God, someone's going to love hearing about this. My other philosophy on things like launches, right? I see a lot of people go, oh my God, I had this failed launch. And it's usually their first launch or, um, you know, sometimes it's not, but I just go, my first launch, I had one person on it. I felt like such a success because mm-hmm. I was like, God, so much work goes into this. Somebody paid me to do something from my imagination. Like I was just like, this feels incredible. And a lot of people feel like if they don't get this massive result, their first time that they launch something, that they're a failure instead of realizing oh my God, you got over your resistance. You created this asset that you can launch again and again and again. And next time you launch it, there won't be as much work to do. Because, you know, the first time you do something, you're doing it every oh, time. It's way more work doing something the first time. That's for sure. It's <laughs> crazy. And even this t- this last launch that I did, I'd launched it before, but I had all new videos, all new handouts, all new um, like membership site. Every- and I forgot how much work goes into 
launching and creating and delivering a program all at the same time. (laughs) And so, you know, if that's your first couple of launches, it's not about the result. It's about the fact that you overcame all of your resistance and then you can do it again and again and again. So I think, um, yeah, that's, that's always been my philosophy on mistakes. It's just like, cool, what's the gold in this? Either teaching people from your mistake, but also the fact, again, like the silver lining is, but you did it. And so many people are waiting. They've got things 80, 90% ready and they don't want to launch because they're afraid of the failure. They think that the like it feels like they're going to die if if and i get i get that it does feel like that sometimes but they're not seeing the silver lining yeah. of that they're not seeing the long term benefit of that thank you for sharing and i i love your perspective and i'm being reminded by something else you can tell i've been i've really just been listening to your book lately i'm like okay and it's all coming back to me now the one thing you said i was a 20 year overnight success or something of that nature. But basically you're saying, you know, I've been in business 20 years and then all of a sudden I'm this overnight success or that's what people think. And you shared experiences where you're like, I held workshops and there'd be four people there. You know, were there times when you were like, how the heck do I keep going? And what kept you going when you maybe didn't get the results you thought you were going to? Was it always looking at the silver lining and just feeling proud of yourself? It's pretty incredible. I love this perspective. Um, And I'm curious to hear what other perspectives you have. Well, you know, I started my business full-time 12 years ago. And, and, you know, I got to that million-dollar mark within a couple of years. And I was really proud of that. But again, you think you don't look at the... Like, when does your business really start? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as I said, I had that first ebook in 2003. And, you know, like, it wasn't a raging success. I still had a job mm-hmm. for a long time. And, you know, then I, I actually went in and out of the corporate life so many times because I'd be like, I'm going to start a business, but without really knowing what I was going to do. Um, and I really do think, though, that that is the secret for my success. I was like, it's going to happen eventually. And I I really felt the inevitability of it. And yeah. so I was just like, well, I'll try again. I'll try again. I'll try again. And, you know, as I said, it felt really good to have that first person. But I remember my first workshop that I created. And, you know, it, I, I did a lot of like, fr- I went and did all these free workshops anywhere that would have me around town. And then I'd be like, come, you know, I've got a paid workshop. And it was like $99 for a whole day. And I made no money out of it because I had to pay for the venue and I had to pay for this and they got gifts and they got, you know, all this stuff. But after that workshop, I went to the fanciest restaurant in town and ordered a glass of champagne. And I was like, can I afford a little snack? And I got, I ordered some poutine, which I'd never heard yes, of before. Very Canadian, very Canadian thing. That's <laughs> right. I'd never heard of it before. And I had to check my bank account to see if I could afford it on top of the champagne. And I toasted myself and I was like, universe, more of this, yeah. more of this, please. And, but on the flip side, I have done some things that have been successful that I've actually felt like almost like a success hangover afterwards where I've just gone, oh, that wasn't good enough. But the times where I've really anchored it in and just gone, you know what? More of this, please. More of this universe. I, I really think that's such a key part of it because no no one's doing yeah. it for us, right? We have yeah. to be in our own corner. We have to be sometimes a little bit delusional about it because 
otherwise it's easier just to go get a job. You know, oh, we, yeah. we constantly have to be out of our comfort zone. Yeah. But, and I'll tell you this though, what scares us today won't scare us tomorrow. That's true. You know, when you think of your podcast, right, the first, probably the first 10 interviews that I did, I would have been awake all night going, oh my God, what am I going to say? Is it going to be okay? Same with when you start a podcast, right? The first yeah. one you're like, ah. And then this morning I got up, looked at my car, oh, cool, I'm talking to Leanne. Oh, that's so amazing. You know, um, oh, is it a video? Do I need to put makeup on? Great. So that doesn't scare me anymore. If Oprah called me and said, I want you on a live TV slot tomorrow, I'd be like, oh, but maybe you do a couple of those and then that's not scary either. Yeah. So it's not like everything that's like terrifying for you now, you're just going to be terrified about everything because some of those things become no big deal and you just get better and better and better, but not if you quit. Right. So first of all, I love your style, champagne and poutine. <laughs> this is like, I love those two. Some would think they would not go together, but I totally see they how they do. Truth, but that's okay. But still, it's doing what you, it's like just going for it and, and enjoying it. And I love how you toasted the universe and said more of this, please. I've studied NLP. I'm an NLP practitioner and a clinical hypnotherapist. I don't actually offer sessions around this. I use it a lot in my life and in, in the work I do but in maybe not so obvious ways, but anchors is such an important topic. And it's about anchoring in those times when we feel alive, when we're proud. I'm a huge fan of celebrating and celebrating our successes and wins and, and recognizing that it doesn't need to be the big things. I think that's what's mm -hmm. shifted for me over the years is that I used to think it was this, this big thing had to happen and then I would celebrate now I realize that the tiniest little thing, like even with this podcast, there were so many things involved. I had to step outside of my comfort zone and learn so many different things. And I would get excited and celebrate the tiniest little things that I, that, that I would have never even thought to celebrate before. And it feels good when we can like learn to pat ourselves on the back and appreciate everything that we are doing and everything that is going right. And I have to say, especially if you have ADHD, yeah. because it's like you immediately forget, you know, you immediately forget what it took to get you there. But also I think too, a lot of people, a lot of creatives have this self-blame of like, you know, oh, I'm really flaky or, you know, I did it last minute, so it doesn't count. And to really anchor that in and go, no, it actually is a big deal and, um, you know, like I was actually thinking I need to write down things when I do them because so many times I do just pull things out, you know, and yeah. do the miraculous because that's how my brain works. But I immediately forget about it and I just go, oh, I've done nothing this year instead of going, oh, no, that's not true. You've actually so, done a ton. Yeah. It, I'm, I can relate to that so much. And do you use Voxer? No, I hate, this voice, no. I okay. hate voice stuff. It annoys right. me so well, much. I'll never send you a voice note. <laughs> I love Voxer. This is probably one of the reasons I have a podcast, but this friend of mine, her and I, we Vox each other quite a bit and we'll share gratitudes and, you know, we'll share updates and it, it's, it's all the different things. And there have been so many times where she sends me something and she's talking about her wins. And, and then I reply, I'm like, you go girl, that's amazing. And she doesn't listen to it for maybe like a few days or a week goes by, then she listens to it and she reaches out and she's like, oh my God. Thank you for, for mirroring back what I had said because I totally forgot about it. She calls it the amnesia effect. And she, we've actually, we've talked about this before on the podcast. 
I do believe there's an amnesia effect and we easily forget about the good. And I think that it goes back to survival times. You know, our limbic systems are basically wired to look out for the danger and to watch for all the things that could happen versus fully being present and just enjoying like, hey, cheers, I'm going to have this champagne and I'm going to eat this poutine or whatever it is for people listening. Um, Yeah, so it's like really anchoring this in. So that's I just wanted to anchor in how important it is to celebrate. Yes, it really is. And actually, as you're saying that, I'm like, I am going to start that spreadsheet. You know, and have like just even just like one, you know, one sheet per year or a quarter even just to go, no, you have done a lot because I I have that feeling sometimes when a project ends, you know, in that like five minutes before you have to go into the next one almost as an entrepreneur, we've always got homework due, right? But there's just that feeling of like, I don't know, I'm, I'm so lazy. And that's something that I always have to go, oh, my God, Denise, you are not lazy. Yeah. But I think because as a kid, I was always called lazy because I was always looking for the shortcut, you know. And so for me, becoming a chillpreneur, it was really kind of acknowledging that that is my superpower is looking for the shortcut, not because I'm lazy, is because I'm, I'm smart and I can see that that's an efficient way to do it. But there's always that unlearning, right, for all of us. Of Some of us have to unlearn being called bossy. And that's why we don't want to build a team or delegate because of that. Or we've been called, you know, a fussy princess or, um, you know, a, uh, like ideas people, you know, might have been yeah. called flaky. Ideas are a dime a dozen. So then you think, oh, no, no, I have to, um, you know, I have to do everything myself instead of going, hang on, maybe I come up with the ideas and then I hire a complete a finisher. You know, a quick start and a what? I don't even know what the complete finisher one is because I'm so no, low in it. Neither. Yeah, no. There was somewhere I'm like a two, and then others I'm a nine. It's funny. Yeah, we're very similar. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, one of the questions, and you kind of touched on this, but it was something that came to mind was as a creative, and you have a ton of ideas. Like going again, listening to your book, I'm like, oh yeah, she's she understands what it's like to have a creative mind and to like, oh, almost shiny object syndrome. How yes. have you learned to really choose the ideas, choose the projects, choose the things that you invest your time and energy into wisely? Because yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious. So just asking for a friend on this one. <laughs> well, like, and I'm not going to lie. I do, I do struggle with that a little bit because, you know, even at the moment I have my, my money mindset business. I have a farm that has its own business. I just bought a bank with a friend. That's going to be its own business. So I always think I've got one business, but that's not true. <laughs> I've got all these little, hidden little businesses all around the place. But for my, this has helped me so, so much, right, is an affirmation, all roads lead to money boot camp. Mm-hmm. All roads lead to money boot camp. So that's my flagship program. That's where I put my time and energy. That's where, you know, I have my ongoing group. And so every time I think, oh, I should start something new, I go, no, that can help a lot of people. And so what I give myself permission to do is follow all of these other threads where I go, let's talk, oh, what about money mindset in the construction industry? You know, let's explore that for a little bit because that all roads lead to money boot camp. And so what I'm doing at the moment is creating money mindset books for different professions. So money mindset for natural health practitioners, money mindset mm-hmm. for writers. Um, one of my next ones will probably be money mindset for dance teachers. And these are all these like little niches that 
so fascinating to me. Um, but there'll be a book, there'll be like, you know, a funnel and it's like, come and join Money Bootcamp. So it's like wherever you come from in the slide, everyone's going in the same pool at the end, yeah. right? And I think that helps because then it gives my mind permission to go into these really creative different places but it doesn't break my business it doesn't um create chaos for me personally you know and I see that with people they they're constantly in fight or flight because they're constantly starting new things or they're or they're in perfectionism and tinkering with their back end you know I I would love to tinker with money boot camp all the time but I only let myself re-record it every two years because I go no it actually will help people in its current form find new ways to explore, you know, the front end of it. And that has helped me immeasurably because it is then shiny objects, permission, but it's it's the chill, right? It's finding right. the path of least resistance, floating downstream. And, I mean, I will never run out of professions. I will never run out of nuances that I could explore around that. And that keeps me, it keeps it fresh for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can totally see that. And I think you t- touched on this. There was one thing, I forget the exact things, but I, I just had to chuckle because I've experienced this so many times. Get an idea, buy a domain. And then like, how many domains do I have? And it's like, wait, not every idea needs to turn into a business. And as someone who's really creative, what I've been exploring and playing around with, and I talk about this with other creative friends, it's like, Hey, what about just doing things for fun? It truly doesn't need to be a business. Like, what if you actually have a hobby? Do you like you're laughing? So I feel like you get this, but it's like, what if you just? Mm, I do. Right. So, what do you have to say on this? Okay. <laughs> All right. So, hand on heart, this is really hard for me, right? So, I um one of my hobbies that I love to explore. It's not that I've done heaps of stuff with it. My current deep dive right so at my farm I love collecting things so I might go in like a collecting I might buy picnic baskets for like a week and I'll buy like 30 of them because I love thrifting yeah Um, so what I'm doing at the moment is I'm buying 90s prom dresses and I want to turn them into Tudor dresses you know like from the Tudor era yes (laughs) so I've got like a Pinterest board where I'm like pinning Tudor gowns and I'm trying to figure out how you know like to do the to do the boning and to do yeah. the, yeah. And because they're always two-toned, so I'm like going, okay, I need, you know, two or three different blues and then two or three different. So at the moment, because I've just channeled that to go, don't start another business. Just So I've been going to thrift stores and I've got like 15 of these prom dresses. And then I'm like, oh, because I don't ha- I don't sew. I don't have any <laughs> equipment. Right. So I'm like, now I need fabric scissors. And then I'm like, now I need pins. I just bought a dressmaker's dummy, right? So it's been really fun channeling that and just going, oh, pin trip pinning stuff. And then, oh, and then there's all these creators who have patterns and ebooks yes. that they sell on how to do these things. But I have to resist filming it because I was like, I could turn this into an ebook. You right. Know? I'm like, oh, I could, t- I could totally do this. So I'm, I'm gonna allow myself to film it just to like do a fun reel later on. I, I, I've just, like, I'm yeah. okay with that. But it's really hard, I think, when you're a creative, when you're an entrepreneur, because you see the monetization in everything, you know. And I'm seeing all these beautiful seamstresses who've got these all these beautiful things, but they don't know how to market, right? So I'm like, I could teach them how to, and then I'm like. 
it's okay. Just enjoy it for, <laughs> for your own self. So I think that's just indicative of who we are. I think we just have to just go, you know what? I accept that I'm a creative person and that's cool and I'll obsess about it for a little bit. And I think Mark's okay with this now too because he used to just be like, why? what are you doing with all this stuff, right? And now he's just like, cool, play with that yeah. creativity, babe. You know, and I'm like, let me try on this dress for you. I want to show you how I'm going to do this, this. And he's just like, okay. Enjoy, I think have if fun. You would, yeah, I think if you would push back on it a little bit, it would like I'd kind of just, I just need that outlet sometimes. So how yeah. random is that, right? You never would have expected me to say that. <laughs> no, never. I was, but I could tell, I'm like, oh, there's a reaction there. What is she going to, where is this going to go? And that's what I love. It can just be these random, it's like, it's learning to pay attention to the ideas and these different things that call us. And even if it doesn't make sense, lean into it and do it and just enjoy it. And who knows what this yeah. is going to spark? Who knows? Um, well, so I, I want to buy a domain name for it. So I'm very proud about that. Okay. Um, but the other thing, it actually is going to lead to something because a friend of um, a friend of mine, she's a cabaret singer. Oh, and we've been talking about for a couple of years of doing um like a tour together, like a money show together. And um, so I was like, she's already, you know, going, oh, I'm going to do a song about, you know, the Royal song by Lord. Yep. Yes. So I, I like, love that oh, song. Well, this is what my Tudor costumes can be. This can be the B-roll for our film clip. So, of course, it's going to lead to something. But it's um I just think it's a real struggle sometimes for us to not break our businesses and just mm -hmm. but just give ourselves a little detour that doesn't have to it doesn't have to lead to anything so the one question that's come up a few times as we've been talking when you said maybe you come up with the idea you're the quick start you get it going and then you hire someone to finish it it seems like part of being a chillpreneur is about recognizing and honoring your strengths and then getting support and knowing what you're not good at and getting people to help you with that. What advice do you have for people out there who either one, have a hard time delegating, letting go of control, or yep. they think they can do it better? Like I've been through this cycle so many times and then I, when I finally have hired people, I'm like, oh my God, thank God. Why didn't I do this sooner? Um, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this and any advice that you have for people. Yes. There's multiple layers around this, right? Because I heard that a lot too when I started my business. It was like, you need a team, you need to hire people. And what I realize now is that even we have different strengths around that, that we have to honor. Some of us um, love working with people. Some of us don't. Some of us um, need, you know, like a lot of support. Some of us just need support for one little thing. So what I always suggest to people is just, again, being really honest about what drains your energy. And so actually for me, if I had to be a solo business person, I could do it, but I can't do laundry. I can't cook because that stuff drains my energy. So sometimes what would work for us would be completely different from someone else. Um, and so I, I have a lot of home help and I actually probably have more home help than I have in my business because I love doing most of the things in the mm -hmm. business myself. So again, it just, it shows the danger sometimes of just taking advice blindly and going, right. oh, I need to outsource this or I need to do that. Um, because I remember at Christmas time when my housekeeper was away, I was like, oh, maybe I should do some laundry. And I was, <laughs> it's so funny because it's ADHD, right? I was like, okay, what's the best way to do this? So I started making piles of all the colors 
and then I did some laundry and then of course I forgot about the laundry for ages and then I started to go okay what's the most efficient way to hang out this laundry so everything dries optimally and then of course I was like oh I think I need another error so then I sat there researching errors for like an hour and then I went out shopping and bought all this extra stuff and I hardly did any laundry because I, it just took so much creative energy for me. I, cu- I couldn't just do la- put laundry in and then just yeah. put it out. It had to be this whole thing. And so I realized, again, for me, um, having home really? health is crucial. I relate to that so much. Like life, I do enjoy cooking, but like doing it more from the creative aspect. It can be a creative um, sort of meditative outlet for me, but not all the time. Like not if I have to feed myself, but the Mm. general life things are the hardest. Like life admin, like just like the things that are involved in being human are usually the hardest things for me. And I'll get so, and I do get so distracted doing these little things or I'll turn this tiny little thing into this big project. Cause I'm like, but why would I do it like this? I need to have this whole, I need to like, make sure whether that's perfectionism or creativity or what, maybe it's ADHD. I don't know. But what you just said, I really, really relate to all of that. Yeah. So I I always just say to people, make a list and uh, make three lists actually. So things that stress you out the most. And so in my business, it was always customer service. That was the thing that stressed me out. Um, And even actually in this last launch, I still did all of my own handouts. I did a lot of um, uh, like, you know, getting stuff on the page, a lot of that stuff I, I did myself, but customer service stresses me out so much. Um, so that was my first hire for five hours a week. So whatever stresses you out and it's all different for everyone and it's okay. Don't be ashamed of the things that stress you out or think, no, but I should do that. Everyone else does that. No, be be clear. And then the other two lists is what is stopping me from making money at the moment? So it could be I haven't launched, you know, something or um, I just can't get my website up or there's just something that's stopping you. And then what would make you money if, if you, um, you know, and that's when you could go, you know what, an up, an upgraded brand might make me more money or having a salesperson on my team could help me make more money. Um, and just not be ashamed that your needs might be some completely different from other people's. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think there's a lot of shame about home help. There's so much shame around it, but I literally could not do my business without my home team. Yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing. I'm being reminded of a past client I worked with and she was a huge proponent for home help and saying, you know, it's like, it's part of your team. It might not be, they might not be directly working in your business, but they still, they're supporting you in being able to work on your business and work in your genius zone. Even my dog walker is, I feel like it's part of my business team, right? Because otherwise, you know, I I would feel really bad that I don't walk my dogs every day. (laughs) You know, my nanny, my daycare team, you know, the, the people who come and clean my house, people who come and do the pool or do the things, especially since Mark's in the business too, a lot of that stuff, you know, it's, you know, it costs money to outsource, but the opportunity costs are great too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It, it's so true. All right. ADHD. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. What was it like getting your diagnosis? What is it exactly? I know there's so much talk about it these days, but if someone is like, okay, like I've heard about it, but I don't actually know what this means. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear just your personal experience and how it's been a positive thing in your life and in your business. 
it has been hugely positive for me. So um, the context of this is um, a lot of my family have it, um, but it was only kind of in the 80s, only one of my cousins had a formal diagnosis as a kid and he was really like, you know, that typical um, like naughty kid, you know, and like I've got so much more compassion for him now, but um, there was a real stigma, I think, but also my mum likely has it, all of my siblings have it. So my baseline was like, no, I'm the normal one. And um, I really struggled at school with, um, I'd get really good grades in some things and, and terrible grades in other things. And so teachers would just be like, well, if you just, you know, applied yourself or you got a bit more organized, I lost my bus pass every day, I lost my keys every day, all of those things that are classic ADHD um, symptoms. But it really um, was really hard for me when I went into the corporate world because I just couldn't figure out how I just couldn't just do work. Like I was like, I'll, I'll start after lunch, you know, and then I'd be like, well, it's Monday. No one does any work on Monday. And then I'd be like, Tuesday, I'll start tomorrow. And then I'd be like, it's hump day. And then I'd be like, oh, it's Thursday. So I, I got to a point where I was doing like a full 40 hour work week um, after lunch on a Friday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And which meant that I was always in fight or flight mode, right? Because I was always just really? feeling like, you know, I'm doing something wrong. I'm a terrible person. I'm so lazy. Um, it never occurred to me that it was ADHD. And it still didn't, even when I was, you know, in my business and I would really struggle to start or finish things. And again, Mark is very diligent. So he'd be like, why are you just doing things last minute? Like, just just do it. Um, and so actually came, my son got diagnosed because he was exhibiting the naughty kid behaviors. And um, when we were waiting for his diagnosis, I started looking into it. This happens a lot, actually. And then I went, oh, my God, I totally have it. Um, so I was diagnosed about a year and a bit ago. Um, I've been on medication um, for about a year or so. And it it really, even without medication, I think it would have been so validating to have a name and not just think there was something really wrong with me or think that I was lazy or um yeah, it's like I so I think I start to look at all the different things that happen in my life. I've got a completely different perspective on some of those things. A different perspective for my mom as well, because my mom mm-hmm. was incredibly impulsive. We moved all the time. Um, you know, she would change jobs, she would change boyfriends, she would change all of those things all the time. And I think I just internalized a lot of of that of going, you know, just that there was something wrong with our family or, you know, I was a neglected kid. And now I think oh my God, I struggle with parenting too, you know, so I've got a completely different appreciation for those things. Um, yeah. And just feeling like part of a community of yeah. other people has been really great too. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. And what are some of the, how is it a superpower? Because I see so much more talk about ADHD being a superpower. It does seem like a lot of entrepreneurs are, do have ADHD or have been diagnosed with this. Um, I'd love to hear your take on that. Well, when it comes to things like batching, you know, like I can go into a podcast studio, as long as I book it, this is the thing, right? I might not ever get around just doing it myself. I'll book in a day. And then Mark would be like, what are you going to talk about? And I'm like, I'll open my mouth, something will come out, right? So I can I can batch, you know, like 12 episodes in one day. Wow, um, that's impressive. Because, yeah, all, and all I'll need to do is to, you know, have a couple of bullet points and, and I'll be fine. 
Um, things like when I'm filming, which I'm doing next week, you know, like I can read a teleprompter and still be thinking, I can see, you know, a misspelt word that's in the next paragraph. I can be reading it, see the thing, mentally change it in my head and, and be fine. Um, and so that stuff feels really great too. Just knowing that I can just improvise, I'm really good on my feet, but not in a way that I was as a kid where I felt like it was a real stress for me, right? I felt like, you know, so much adrenaline and, oh my God, I'm, I'm such a naughty kid for not doing my homework. You know, I did this on the bus. I felt really guilty about still getting good marks for things that I half-assed. And now I'm just like, but this is my superpower. And like, and, and realizing that that's, it's okay to be like that because that's where I really shine. And I can do it now without the massive adrenaline fear, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yep, it does. And thank you for sharing. And I'm being reminded of one of the things at the very beginning. So it's nice how it all comes full circle. It's being aware of ourselves and honoring ourselves. And there's the, like, there's the awareness, the acceptance, the honoring, and then learning how to leverage as well. And I think that all plays a role in being a chillpreneur and being able to find the easy way and like go down the river instead of trying to always like tread water or go against the current. Exactly. So much acceptance has come from that. Um, and, you know, years and years of self-blame. It's just like, yeah. and I can still sometimes then just go, it's my ADHD. You know, I'm not using it as an excuse, yeah. but it's almost like that um, compassion for myself and other people. Um, and definitely for my mom, you know, I had a lot of, um, like, still a lot of negative feelings from my mom, but just to go, oh, it's it's her ADHD, you know. Um, it's like she's not, she doesn't mean to do it, but um, yeah, it's been it's been such a great journey for me. But yeah. I think I've always been that kind of person to go, well, I'm a Virgo, you know, like I can understand myself. That's why I've got my yeah. perfectionism, or you know, I'm a quick start. Okay, that explains X Y Z. Um, you know, I'm a ruler money archetype. I think um, being curious about those mm -hmm. things and as well as having the awareness, I think it's, it, it can be just so validating, I think, to be able to, yeah, yeah feel like you're a part of something but have explanations around yeah. some of those things. Yeah, thank you so much. It's interesting. I'm a Pisces and so Pisces and Virgos are the exact opposite, but so many of my best friends are Virgos. <laughs> we get along. Yeah. We get along well. <laughs> okay, so I have to just tell you. So my yeah. two my two um home team, so my housekeeper yep. and my nanny, they're both water signs. Yeah. Um Willow, my oldest daughter is a water sign. Mark is a water sign. He's a Scorpio. She's a, a Pisces. They all yep. cry. <laughs> they all cry together. And I just go Okay, I'm going to be in my office. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Okay. Um, and they all have their emotions. And um, I remember Willow, she's like, I think sometimes people forget that I'm a very sensitive person. I've got a very sensitive body. And and my other daughter, she's a cancer too. So they're, they're all in oh, their feelings yeah. all the time. And I'm just like, I'll be in my office when you guys are done with that. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's funny. Yeah, can't. That's a lot of. That's a lot of water swimming around you. Yeah, it's a good thing you have family, right there. His parents are both Pisces too, and I remember, you know, like, and my mom's an Aquarian, right? She's not emotional yeah. at all. But I remember when I went into their family, they would they would cry all the time together, and it would be, you know, like they'd get on a train 
they only lived like three hours away. They'd be crying yeah. and I'd just be like, what is, what is going on? I don't you know, understand like, what's happening here. <laughs> exactly. But that's, it's great to know that, right? And even I'm teaching this to my kids about, um, you know, their money archetypes are coming out very clearly. You know, George, he's, you know, he's a maverick personality type, but he's a Taurus. He's a bull. You know, we bought him these little bull pajamas. So we can sometimes say to him, you know, like, you don't have to be stubborn, you little bull. You know, like we say it in yeah. a very kind way. Um, my little one who's four, she's, you know, she's a crab. We bought her a little yeah. crab um, because she does, you know, she is like that sometimes. She can be very crabby. So I, I just think it's really fun even to teach them from a young age, not to pigeonhole them, but, um, you know, to make them feel like like there's a part of their identity that is a thing, you know, it's a thing. Yeah. Sometimes labels can be very helpful. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I know. I, I, I mean, it's funny. I'm wearing my fish shirt today. I haven't wore this in ages, but there's like oh, tons of little that. fishies. And I feel like this is like such my Pisces shirt. And there's, there's I'm Pisces sun, Pisces moon. I've got lots of Scorpio too in my chart. It's just, it's pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, it's, I bet. And it's learning it's how that, to... Right? Yeah, it is. And I think that it's not using things as an excuse, not using as it as a crutch, but again, looking to self-awareness. So I'm definitely going to do your money archetypes. Where can people learn more about you? And do you have anything else that you want to share before we wrap up? Yes. Well, I'm super easy to find. So I'll just get that out of the way. Um, my website's denisedt.com. There's tons of resources, tons of free resources, tons of articles and stuff. Same with social media. I'm at Denise DT everywhere. I love hearing from people. I love hearing their ahas because I'm a collector of nuances, right? Uh -huh. So if someone's like, oh, you know, this is my money story. I'm like, oh, yes, give me some more nuance. So um, Denise DT. Um, what's the closing thing? I just, um, yeah, I just think it really is our time you know, and not to be ashamed of it, not to be scared of it. Um, constantly asking yourself, you know, why not me? Because mm -hmm. the more I'm, I move forward in success, the thing that I find is that people believe you. <laughs> people just go, yes. And it's just a fascinating thing when you step <laughs> forward and say, why not me? People believe you. It's yeah. just, it's wild. And you know, I just think it's, why not? You know, it's so much abundance and creativity and goodness that we can create in the world. If only we just step forward and just go, yeah, cool, I can be a part of this as well. And then nothing is really off limits for you ever. Yeah, I love it. That's great. And it just, it sounds so fun. <laughs> just the way you said, I'm like, yeah, why not? And like, people listen to you. <laughs> they really do. It's the weirdest thing. And they just believe you. And it's just like, Okay, cool. You see right, that for me. We're going to roll with yeah. this. <laughs> All right, let's do it. I actually went to spoke, uh, speak at my high school last week and that was really fun too because, you know, I was trying to be really honest with them and, and say, you know, like it's okay to talk about money and, you know, I'm a self-made millionaire or whatever. But I love their questions. They were just like, do you live in a mansion? What kind of car do you drive? Um, do you make all your money from your books? And I just thought, wow, kids are really hungry to talk about money. And yeah. I find that, um, you know, like when we when we step up and shine and when we talk and we're honest about, you know, people are hungry for, for what you have to offer. Mm -hmm. They really, really are. And, um, you know, why not? Why not you? Why not now? Yeah. I love it. Glow getters. Why not you? <laughs> exactly. um, 
Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This was such a fun conversation. We covered a lot of things and it's just, yeah, I love everything you're doing and everyone, thank you for tuning in and go follow Denise. She shares everything she shares is super valuable. Um, and it's fun. Like, that's what I think I'm attracted. I'm like, Oh yeah, you just have fun. Like I can tell that you're, you're aligned and, and it, it, it's, it feels good to follow people who are aligned and living that truth for themselves. So thank you Absolutely. for doing what you do and, and leading the way. You might see my Tudor dress project at some point on my social media. I cannot wait for that. I will definitely be reaching out when that comes to life. You know you'll be hearing from me. That's for sure. Yes. Uh, wait for my, you know, chillpreneur dressmaker course. <laughs> I love it. Well, I can definitely see you having, this is the thing. You can do an ebook for people who no. have all their sewing kits. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Look, but all roads lead to money boot camp, right? <laughs> totally. Totally. Oh my God. Thanks so much. A real pleasure to connect with you again. Thanks. Leah. Yeah. It's been great. Thank you.